Welcome to Biz Banter, where we cover all the buzz and biz. I'm your host, Sage. Let's get into it. Have you ever applied for a corporate job? Do you remember what it was like? Maybe you attended a college career fair and stood in a long line to speak to a recruiter who just went through the motions of collecting your resume and giving you generic facts and advice about their company. Or maybe you clicked through thousands of pages of jobs on a career portal trying to find a job that you're fit for. But why does finding a job have to be so complex and so tedious? Why are you putting in all of this effort just to get an auto-generated rejection notice from the company? Wouldn't it be so much better if making that transition from your education to your career could be so much more smooth? Wouldn't it be great to have a friend on your side guiding you through the whole process? Our guest in this episode has disrupted the job application industry by creating Forefront, a tool that uses best-in-class technology to help employers and Gen Z talent through the recruiting process and beyond. Through Forefront, AI assistants can source and screen candidates for companies and even aid in mentoring after a candidate joins a company as an employee. Our guest, Yulkendi Valdez, is a Forbes 30 under 30 social entrepreneur, storyteller, and TEDx speaker. As a co-founder and CEO of Forefront, she helps employers, schools, and nonprofits create low-barrier, culturally relevant virtual experiences for youth to facilitate their transition from education to career. Yulkendi brings a diverse set of both corporate and nonprofit experience to the table. She's worked with Bank of America, EY, Puma, and Innosite Consulting, as well as the International Institute of St. Louis and Betty Jean Care People Centers. Yulkendi has received numerous fellowships, and she's a proud alumna of Babson College, which is the number one school for entrepreneurship. More recently, she was named one of the Latino 30 Under 30 honorees by El Mundo Boston and a top millennial in Boston by Get Connected. So how did Yulkendi create such a powerful tool? What prompted her to create Forefront? How can Forefront help you in your career? Yulkendi will walk us through it all in this episode. Let's get into it. Hey, Yulkendi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you on and I'm excited to talk to you about your journey as an entrepreneur and about Forefront. But before we start talking about that, we're going to start out with a little bit of a game. So we're going to do a little true or false. So I have some assumptions about entrepreneurs, and I want you to tell me whether you agree or disagree. So whether you think they're true or false and why you think what you do. Sounds good. I'm excited. (laughs) Awesome. So the first one is entrepreneurs are born, not made. False. False. Why false? Uh, entrepreneurship is is a, is an action, is a um, is an ability you develop. Um, it's not something it's it's not something you're you're made of or or care, or, or can be born uh, into. Gotcha. All right. Next assumption: Entrepreneurs do not have a personal life. <laughs> false. <laughs> you laugh, but you say false. Um. So, I, I yeah, I think we, we absolutely have a a personal life, and for many of us, entrepreneurship is personal. It starts because of a challenge um, you had, and you want to fix it. Uh, that's why it doesn't feel like like work. Um, and you know, the good thing about entrepreneurship is that you can create your own version of it. There's some uh, entrepreneurs that 
don't ever have a vacation, but they do have do other things that that make them happy. So you know, it might not look the same as if you have a nine to five, but still, uh, entrepreneurship has this form of of self care. I mean, you have to. We're all humans. We're not uh, invisible. That's so true. All right, next assumption: starting a business guarantees freedom. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess that's that freedom is a really complex word there that we can take to unpack in a completely different podcast. But, you know, there, it is, you know, entrepreneurship has this sexy appeal. It's very romanticized that, hey, it's your way to make tons of money or even make tons of impact and you're the hero. But in reality, uh, that's not a guarantee. It's more of a process rather than than an outcome. I love that process rather than an outcome. Awesome. So our next assumption is launching a company quickly leads to wealth. False. <laughs> I mean, wealth can be the immediate goal um, for, for, for some founders, but even those that, you know, have unicorns today, certainly that wasn't um, overnight. There's a lot that went down uh, behind the scenes. Well said. So final assumption, without nonstop hustling, a business cannot flourish. Um, false. Um, I think there's just different types of work styles. You know, it's about what works best for you. You know, are you a morning person? Or are you a night person? Uh, we can you know, judge from afar someone's work ethic, because at the end of the day, they might be just doing what works best for them. So it's just a very personal thing. That's true. And everyone has their own definition of work-life balance. So I can totally understand that's definitely very subjective. So that was just a fun little game to get to know how you feel about entrepreneurship and based on your own experiences as an entrepreneur. So now we're going to learn more about you and Forefront. So tell us about your career path leading up to starting your own business. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I was one of, of the kids for better or worse that launched a dorm room startup. So I, I did start my company in, in college. It was not a traditional, uh, dorm room startup by any means that you would see on, on TV. Um, you know, we didn't start the next social network or, um, or another app. At the beginning, we were just motivated by, by a single problem being first generation college students, um, low income Dominican immigrants, and really being tired of being the only one in, in corporate spaces and wanting to do something about it. So on day one, um, my co-founder and I did not have a business plan, but we were just curious and, and passionate about making sure we're opening the door for the next generation of, of workers. So that's how really my journey started. I was this tiny freshman in, in business school, trying to make it. And from then on, really learned from the market, really learned by piloting. And now, three years later, post-graduation, I'm getting to do the work that I love full-time. So definitely no regrets. Awesome. So now we want to learn more about your full-time work. So tell us about Forefront. Yes. Um, so for us, our vision is to create a future work that works for all. That means equitable education. That means equitable workplaces. 
and to help the young people of today make that transition from education to career. So there's, as we know, a lot of in-demand roles out there in business and tech. And the only thing that's separating uh, the talent, the young people of today from landing those roles are awareness and, and social capital. So we're using uh, artificial intelligence to connect young people to the skills, the mentors they need to land uh, those career paths. Um, and uh, more high level, we also do a lot of work around diversity, equity, and inclusion with business and education leaders to help them understand how to make that path easier uh, for our young people. Fantastic. So walk us through how Forefront would work if I was a student and I wanted to use this tool, how would I use it? Awesome. So the good thing about our tools, uh, you can start getting access to career coaching and development just by texting one of our bots. So one of our bots name is Carmen. She's a bilingual bot. So she can text you feedback and coaching in Spanish and English. So whether it's a resume review, interview preparation, or you need a LinkedIn profile makeover, or you need to get connected to a mentor in the technology field or in medicine, Carmen can do all of that for you via text or other messaging platforms like Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, uh, or even just online in the web. Fantastic. So technology has become such a big part of our lives and we can see how you're using Forefront, you're using artificial intelligence and you're communicating through text messaging and other platforms as well. So you're really giving candidates the ability to communicate and gain so much value through a means that is for them. So for Gen Z. So why do you think it's so important to change recruiting to align more with the generation so Gen Z, the current generation, why is that so important that it aligns with them? Why not just make them do it the way that everybody's been doing it as of now? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very biased toward Gen Z. I think they're an amazing generation. I mean, I barely made the call off. I'm still considered a millennial, but I love Gen Z because they were able to really take in a lot of insights from previous generations and really show up being authentically themselves they care about the world, they care about social justice, uh, and they wanna work in spaces where they're not only seen as candidates, but as people. So it is to our advantage to help meet them where they are, because if we do, they're gonna be the best selves, they're gonna help us increase revenue, they're gonna help us increase impact. So that's the idea here, meeting students where they are, being culturally competent, being socially aware, so by providing a low barrier technology, we can take advantage of, of, of untapped talent everywhere. So regardless of whether they have Wi-Fi at home, if you can communicate with talent through text, you're gaining access to, 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 to top candidates that you otherwise wouldn't have. So Forefront is really about breaking barriers and making sure we're um, providing that access to all kinds of people, no matter where they, where they are. And that's fantastic. And this is such a great initiative. So from a company perspective, why is a tool like this so important? So we can definitely see the value for students, but how do you think companies can use AI to change their recruiting process and really connect with the candidates? Yeah, um, great question. I think in the recruitment front is really, um, 
a question of, you know, how do I, how do I vet Gen Z's? How do I pre-screen them? How do I know I'm getting in for the right roles? So having AI, you know, the word assistant is in there, you know, help you get to know uh, these young people, students, you get to collect much more information on them to know if they're the right candidate for you. But you also get to add more transparency to the hiring process. You know, sometimes we, especially for technical roles, there's a lot of screening where depending on the school that you went to, a candidate might not have gotten enough practice. So our AI can really come help and support that candidate in that process. And what that helps you do is not only be an employer that really cares about making sure that bias doesn't get in the way, but making sure you're really enhancing your, your uh, employer brand and showing up and that you really care about them uh, to help them even before they get to, to the company. So it's a screening, is a vetting tool, but also is a tool to help you mitigate any existing biases that as humans we have, but technology we can train to, to not have those biases. And that's fantastic. So what do you think are some of the benefits of streamlining the recruiting process on both the employer end as well as the Gen Z end? Yeah. So uh, on the employer end, is you're, you're saving a lot of money or time. You're increasing accessibility to more and more talent. You're, you're, you're um, increasing that talent pool. For the candidate, it's really about them getting extra support through the process. It's almost like having a virtual coach help you apply for jobs. And also, frankly, we know that the number one way to still get a job is referrals. So our technology can also come into play to help you get connected to people who can be that referral channel for you, which is so critical to, to getting a job. And I know we've talked a lot about the hiring use case, but the same technology we're applying to internal talent initiatives, such as mentoring and sponsorship and other training, which is also critical to not only ensuring you get hired, but then you stay at the company and you're able to thrive. That's fantastic. So this is just like an all-encompassing tool that can help you before you land a job. It can help you land a job and also when you're actually at that job. So it's really fantastic what you're doing. We talked a little bit about why you started Forefront, but why were you really compelled to build this business? Why did you feel like I'm going to be the one to do it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very rational thing. Um, entrepreneurship is not <laughs> the most logical uh, thing to do. Um, but I just had this feeling that wouldn't go away. Um, it was July uh, 6, 2016. Um, Alton Sterling had been shot and killed out of Baton Rouge, another black man uh, at the hands of the police. And I just was crying uh, for a week on my way to work. And I had to make a decision. Do I go into a a very uh, prestigious consulting job, or do I do something about it now through these through this company that I've been doing uh, on the side since since I was uh, a first year student, and ultimately, you know, I I started leaning my actions. I started show, I stopped showing off to work, and I started focusing more on the startup, and that gave me my answer. And luckily, I, I had a co-founder who was also in. I, you know, maybe if I didn't have a co-founder right away, I would have taken that job. But it helps when you have someone 
um, counting on you to get the job done and, and vice versa. So I went into my senior year of college already knowing that this was gonna be uh, my full-time job and I was gonna devote my, my early professional career to it. That's fantastic. So how have your personal life experiences attributed to the creation of your business? Yeah, so as I mentioned, that story is very personal to me as, as an Afro-Latina. Um, I, I, I said, I mentioned I was an immigrant, uh, but you know, I, now our company is out of New York and the East Coast, but I actually, I'm from the Midwest in St. Louis, Missouri. So, um, you know, I, I grew up right in Ferguson. So uh, the, the reason that really catapulted me is because I also saw what happened with Michael Brown. And then that was really the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I wanted to figure out what my part in it. And I decided early on that entrepreneurship was gonna be my form of activism, was gonna be the way I can redefine um, systems that needed to be uh, reshaped for the next generation that, uh, that were gonna be majority uh, people of color and, and women. So that's really, all of that connected really made me become into the social entrepreneur I am today. That's fantastic. I love that activism through entrepreneurship. And you've also had a lot of corporate and nonprofit experience. So you've worked at the Bank of America, EY, Puma, Anosite Consulting, as well as the International Institute of St. Louis and Betty Jean Karras People Center. So lots of work experience. So how have your work experiences molded you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, and, and obviously that was, that was a, a very brief um, stint in the workplace, um, given that I, that I decided to go full-time with my venture early on. Uh, but I did learn a lot while I was there. And what I learned was that there, there's room to create private and public partnerships for social impacts. You know, both the corporate world um, and, and the public sector had their own share responsibility to make sure we're, we're creating equity across um, our, our communities. So I, what, I, what I've taken away is really how to build partnerships, how to, uh, how to foster relationships uh, with people, um, you know, no matter the job you're in, it's all about relationships and, and human capital and really connecting with each other authentically to, to um, meet the goal that, that you want to meet. So I've taken that skill of relationship building to my day-to-day -day as a social entrepreneur, as I network. And even though now it looks very differently, you're networking in Zoom or, or WebEx, uh, to make sure um, I'm building win-win partnerships with people. That's fantastic. And, you know, I think work experience, it always gives you something and you've had some really wonderful takeaways, but in entrepreneurship, it's not necessarily important to have that corporate work experience, but from your personal experience, do you think it's important to have work experience working for another company or organization before you pursue entrepreneurship yourself? Um, no, I think it's important to grow your network, meet a lot of people, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to come through through a job. I think we all decide what our paths are. I mean, right now, 
in the space of education, we know even after high school, you know, the next step anymore shouldn't be a four-year or a two-year institutions. There are many, many other steps. So I think we're rechanging the way um, we form our careers um, and it can look different depending on your resources and who you are. And it, there's no hierarchy on that. As long as you, you know, are part of solving a problem, contributing your piece, you're doing something great um, for humanity. And that's the way I see it. That's wonderful. So how did you come up with the name for Forefront? Yeah, so so we, we rebranded early on. Um, we The first name of the company was Project 99. And this is, was in college um, where we just had a vision to bring people together. And so the 99 was based on the Human Genome Project, um, where it says that 99% of us are identical uh, by DNA and only 0.01% different. Um, and then Forefront, the name, I was hearing it all over conferences, uh, still to this day, uh, but this was in, in 20, 2018, 2019, everybody was hungry to innovate, to, um, they were talking more about diversity, equity, and inclusion and bringing people to the forefront. So we thought from the 99 really highlighting differences, forefront is around pushing those differences to the fore and pushing the next generation um, and really centralizing um, them as, as, part of, uh, as part of the bigger purpose. So Forefront, uh, we just wanted to resonate with, with the movement that we think is going on today where everybody is really garnering efforts to really make sure we're creating um, and center, centralizing experiences that have been marginalized before. I love that. And I love that it's a name with so much meaning behind it. So that's fantastic. So you had the idea, you knew you wanted to do this. How did you actually go about executing it? Yeah, um, it, it's, it's really one, you got to find, you know, you got to find money you gotta, to stay alive. So making sure we, we've gone back to, to people we knew or frankly, people we met just one time and then shamelessly asking for support. I think uh, as entrepreneurs, we grow a lot of humility. <laughs> you kind of have to lose your ego and just ask. Um, and so first, get what you need to initially get going from a funding, but it's not like it's romanticized today where it's like, oh, you got to get a ton of VC money to be an entrepreneur. It's not true. It literally it can be a small check that can get you to the next three months um, is all you need to get started. And then after that, um, on the customer side, you know, sell, you know, and, and, and sell. And by selling, I mean listening, listening to see who cares about your problem the most and seeing if they're willing to work with you for, for a pilot. Um, and, and then just taking it one piece at a time, right? I, even when we went full time, we didn't want to make it complex so that you build this whole business plan. Things change in three months, six months. What matters is just going out there, being with your customers and, and listening and then improving based on that data. So that's what we did. And, and things just kept happening every, every six months. And now we're where we are today. 
I really like that you said that, you know, because I think nowadays entrepreneurship is definitely very glorified. And whenever people think of funding, they always think of like a venture capital firm funding you. Um, but I love that you said that it can be simple too. It doesn't have to be that. So that's fantastic. Um, what tools or resources have been helpful to build or scale your business? So I know you've been a part of a number of accelerators. So let's talk about some of the tools and resources that you've gained from them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said it. I think um, accelerators, incubators are, are one way to also get creative funding um, without having to go to VCs right away, but also are a good way to get mentorship get a lot of skill development. It's, it's really another, another undergraduate or master degree <laughs> because through accelerators, you get to attend tons of workshops, events, and, and just learn um, a lot. So for us, that's a strategy that, that work. But also, again, we don't want to overhype it. Accelerators are also not the only way. It's just this, what worked for us and our team. Um, and then, um, just making sure we get the right mentors um, on board. And mentors doesn't mean, again, someone that is you meet every month. It might be just that one mentor you, you ask for one coffee chat, and, and but, but they really inspire you about this particular area of your business. And then just having a lot of those conversations where you're just learning, uh, not really trying to get anything out of it, but just learning and growing. Um, and a lot of those were fruitful for me, especially when I met other entrepreneurs that were one year, two years ahead of me. Uh, so that really kept me going and also reading. Um, so to understand the early process of entrepreneurship, I, I recommend the book, The Mom Test. And I only read it recently. I wish I read it on, on year one, uh, but it's really good. And, and there's this MIT book called uh, discipline entrepreneurship that actually uh, turns entrepreneurship into 33 steps. So it like orders it for you, which is good for someone that, you know, wants to understand what you do uh, now ver versus later. That's fantastic. And I, I like how you said that, you know, it, accelerators are great. You've been a part of a lot of them. You've also been a part of fellowships, which is fantastic as well, but there are simple ways to go about it too. So you recommended some books. Let's say that someone listening wants to find a mentor. So what are your tips for reaching out to somebody that's maybe in the field that you're interested in and getting a conversation started with them? Yeah, um, attend virtual conferences and events. Um, try to uh, connect with them during the events with the chats or just find their email, their LinkedIn and reach out and just very respectfully ask for their time be targeted in, in your ask. You know, a lot of people are gonna say no, but you just need that one person to say yes. And then once you meet them, ask them to introduce you to more, more people. Um, so that's an easy way right now. Uh, also, you, you might have really good mentors that you met before. Uh, so just take some time to organize um, all the people you ever met. It, it is a daunting task, but it's worth it. I mean. Again, uh, I, people are our greatest ca capital. I am a big believer on that. And so just the way that sales teams have CRMs, we should have our own relationship management systems because we might be sitting on gold and we don't know it uh, because of the law of, of six degrees. 
So those are two recommendations. Work with your existing networks, but just attend free events that are out there and just do outreach. Fantastic. So we did talk about rejection a little bit. It happens that you might, you might reach out, might not get a reply or so how do you deal with rejection as an entrepreneur? You experience it a lot. Uh, does it ever get easier? And you know, beyond that, how do you handle it? Yeah. Um, it, it, it definitely always hurts. Um, and it, it, it like tries to linger but is that's where you do the active kind of pushing away, like stop thinking about it. This is a new day. Um, and it applies also where, you know, it is a mistake. You made a mistake and you're like, oh, wow, it sucked, I'm terrible. But you just gotta try to snap out of those feelings. It does get easier when you get rejected from the same thing over and over, which you can. <laughs> um, you're like at one point you're just laughing and it's just a war to when you're actually going to get it, but you, you might actually get it. And a lot of things you get because you're persistent and really, really care about them. Uh, so it does get easier as long as you keep trying. Um, that's, that's what we found out. Fantastic. So do you feel though, you know, persistence is key, but do you think there's a certain point that you might need to step back and evaluate and see that am I actually doing the right thing? Or do you just keep pushing and eventually some result is going to come? Yeah, no, no. I think that there, you always, there's, there's some things that are just not set up to be fair and you're right to say, wow, that wasn't a fair process. But at the end of the day, um, it's good to have those moments, but it's also good to then say, how can I make it better for the next time? Always, um, be humble and ask people to review everything. You know, um, I always ask for feedback, no matter how much it hurts, always try to make it um, better uh, for, for the next time. And it's also good to definitely take a step back and not even say, not even apply to the thing that you want, because you might realize, actually, I might not need it. I might be a, wasting my time when I could be focusing on my business. So it's also good to, to, to realize that, hey, this one thing I always wanted, maybe it's just always been a distraction and I'm meant to focus on this other thing. Yeah, that's so true. And you know, sometimes rejection is redirection. So that's always there too. So you received an honor from El Mundo Boston as being one of their 30 under 30 Latino honorees. So let's talk about cultural context a bit. You are Dominican and you're also very well traveled, having traveled to over 30 countries for work and fun. So how do you think your culture and upbringing as well as the cultures that you've seen through your travels have impacted you as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So, so, you know, a piece that I skipped over and it just shows the many pivots we've been to, um, but our work actually started internationally. I said, you know, what's the easiest place I can go and actually make a difference? And, you know, it's the Dominican Republic is right there, three hour flight. Um, so it's, it's a very important part to my entrepreneurship story. Uh, and we still try to do a lot of work there. Um, and it's also an excuse to see my abuelita who still <laughs> lives there. Um, and it's definitely my, my inspiration. My grandparents raised me. Um, and, you know, being Dominican, um, I think 
he keeps me grounded on the work-life balance piece. Um, so every time I go to DR, my grandma sees me with my laptop. She's like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, it just, I remember what's important. And to me, that, that's family, that's friends and, and people. So, so definitely it adds a good balance uh, to my life. And um, it always keeps me grounded on that ultimate uh, vision, which, you know, it's, it's not only about the, the U.S., but really the global picture and what are we doing to create a better world uh, in general. So do you think that your cultural background has instilled certain values or work ethics uh, in you that have helped develop you as an entrepreneur or have they helped shape how you have developed Forefront? Yes. Yes. Um, for, for many of uh, the reasons... Um, I, I just stated, and I think also um, I joked about it. I think I said it this last week on a panel, but it's, you know, Dominican parents, when they're talking good about you is to other people, you're like, wow, my parents said that about me. Yeah. <laughs> but when they're talking to you, they're very honest and barely don't compliment you. Um, so I think I apply that a lot to my leadership and my team. You know, I've, I've learned to be very accountable. We're always pushing us to be our best self. But whenever I'm in public, um, I, I do the best to hype the people around me, celebrate them. And I think I learned that being, being, being Dominican and that's the way we, we are raised. Um, and just setting that standard high, but also celebrating each other at the same time. That's so awesome. So let's talk about your leadership style a bit, you know, holding people accountable. I think that's fantastic, but also celebrating them, knowing when they're doing well. So how would you say you are as a leader yourself? Yeah. I mean, I'm a very direct communicator, so I can be tough. Um, I, I lean into just giving you the feedback. I can't hold on to things. I'd rather kind of tell you um and obviously that i i have to become better at that and figure out the best timing so now we, we added more frameworks like when to give feedback during our weekly uh check-ins and, and make sure i do it at the right time but i think being super direct does help me establish trust in a weird way because they always know what i'm thinking they know I'm, I'm being honest and as transparent um as 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 possible which helps me build a really good relationship with my teammates. That's awesome. So what were some unexpected hurdles that you faced when starting your business? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just a lot uh, emotionally uh, to take in. I didn't expect to be such of a transformative journey. Um, and so so I, I definitely learned a lot and it's good that I had a co-founder because we were there for the highs um, and, and, and the lows. But yeah, it's not an easy, it's not an easy feat. Uh, but I think once you have the right people around you, uh, you just keep going and also make sure you make that time for, for self-care, which for me, as you mentioned earlier, is, is travel. That's awesome. And can you tell us about a time that you had a failure with your business that actually ended up being good for it in the long run? Yeah, I would say that um, there was, um, you know, we, we were in a technology company from the beginning. 
uh, we started by doing um, in-person training and consulting services. Um, and, and so only in 2019, we decided really to ramp up our online offerings and obviously fast forward uh, to 2020, uh, that was great timing due, due to the pandemic and everything going digital. And the reason we decided is because we were, we were slowing down uh, because we couldn't any longer be everywhere at once, uh, travel to all of our customers. It was really draining us. And um, earlier on, we saw that as like a negative thing, but it actually pushed us for a bigger business where we now have the capability to serve customers all over the world um, and, and, and now have a lead engineer on the team who's helping us build out that, that vision. So we, we certainly came out stronger. Yeah, that definitely really worked out in your favor. So that's awesome. So you talked about your co-founder a little bit, and there's even statistics that show that having a co-founder can help a startup be more successful. I think there were some stats on that. So how do you feel about your co-founder in a sense? Do you, when you're looking at a co-founder, how do you select somebody to co-found a company with? Is it a rational decision? Is it an emotional decision? What was it for you? Yeah. Um, certainly emotional. I mean, you're putting your life into this other uh, person. Um, but, you know, college is a great place to start to meet your co-founder. But if you end up founding a company earlier, I guess the equivalent would be any any other community that you're part of or a fellowship or, um, you know, a sports team, group, whatever it is. As long as you meet them, you already had another shared experience. If that makes sense, I think at least you have a good place to 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 start. But you know, I I I I tried it all. At first, I I wanted to start a company with my friends since I thought that would be fun. That was a bad idea, and, <laughs> and, and slowly you start to see that your friends are not as passionate. So it, it really happened by by elimination. My co-founder and I were just the only ones left <laughs> that really wanted to do this. Um, and so we said, hey, I guess it's just just us. So what do we do now? And then we, we started to put contracts in place, you know, the rules of expectations. Obviously, those evolve every six months because we were also first time founders and we were just figuring out um, how to do it. And so we just had to adjust as things came up. Uh, but now that I know more, what I would say is with any relationship, any new hire, just put a trial period on it. Um, I learned that from uh, one of my mentors who was also an entrepreneur. Uh, she said, put a three month trial period, know what um, you want the, the KPIs, the metrics, and if they achieved it, they're fit. If, if, if they don't, um, then you walk away, but everything was on paper uh, from the beginning. So do you think with a co-founder, it's okay to be very similar to them in terms of your strengths and weaknesses, or do you think it's always best to have somebody that compliments you, meaning that maybe their weaknesses are your strengths and vice versa? Yeah, of course, the, the latter, um, especially when you're, you might be a team of two or three for a while, you don't want to have people that are the same because there's definitely not, you know, there's no progress going to be made there. Awesome. So what was a really big moment for your business so far? So a, this was all worth it kind of moment. Yeah. 
Um, I would say just customers that that have been part of our journey um, from from the beginning um, have made it worthwhile just to get to do the job. Ultimately, you build a business, so you serve some sort of of, of value, um, and you can get distracted from all of the awards that you might get, um, which we did get some. But ultimately, I mean, what made us happy at the end of the day is, is our partnerships with customers because they're they're believing in us and what we're able to do for them. Fabulous. So let's talk about then versus now. So when you started your business, what did you envision it to be like and how similar is what you envisioned it to be? How similar is your business today to what you thought it was when you were going to start it? No, yeah, the business, the business changed every year. Yeah, it's just so different. We've gone through so many experiments and testing. Um, so that's what I would say to a new entrepreneur. Just don't go into it expecting you're going to end with the same, same business. Do you think you can have like a five-year plan? Do you think you could plan it out so much or is it much more short-term from your experience? Much more short-term much more short-term. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause you know, there's always things that happen that are unpredictable, kind of like being in the middle of a pandemic right now. So there's certain things you can't predict, but I'm sure it always works out. So looking back, what do you wish you knew when you were starting off your entrepreneurial journey? I, I would have invested even more on, on my, my social capital. Just, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, people give you credibility um, and, and, and you need that credibility to gain customers, to gain invest, uh, to gain investment. So um, just try to meet a lot of people, but it's not even a, about the quantity as much as try to build really, really profound and deep relationships the same way you do it with your personal relationships. Try to mirror that uh, in, in the professional arena. Fantastic. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Well, no, I mean, I just received so, <laughs> so many. Um, so that, that one's really tough um, uh, for me. So yeah, I don't, I don't have anything in top of, of my mind, but, but I double down on really investing in your social capital and, and just the importance to test things and, and pilot and experiment, um, you know, it's, you know, you can be right about something now, but it's going to change in the, in the week or two. So why don't you just go ahead and try it? See, see, get some data, see if you're right, then, then invest, you know, sometimes I think we stay in our heads and don't do something because we think we need to get it all right. But at the end of the day, I, I learned to just make, a lot of mistakes and tests and put myself out there even when I'm not fully ready. Awesome. So for anyone listening, just go for it and put yourself out there. Um, so at, while we wrap up this interview, we're going to play a little game, another little game to wrap up. So this is a quick take. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to tell me like the first thing that comes to mind. So your initial thoughts when I ask you these questions. Oh, wow. I'm scared. Let's do it. <laughs> Don't be scared. All right. So the first one is what gets you out of bed every morning? Yes. Um, obviously, uh, forefront and, and, and my family. Fantastic. I always hear coffee. So that was a lot more deep. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, 
then then coffee. <laughs> Coffee's in third place. What is your hustle anthem? So like a song you just jam out to when you're hustling. Oh, I mean, I, it changes. Um, I'm not a like I'm not a routine person. Uh, that's why I like travel. I like change. So, um, you know, sometimes it's Drake, sometimes Cardi B, sometimes it's some bachata. <laughs> um back to my cultural roots sometimes it's some taylor swift especially with a new album so who knows um I, I i i like it all just depends on the day yeah so if you had to delete all but three apps on your phone which three apps would you keep yes i mean i'm i'm big into to-do list um so i i have to do right now um even though for work mainly recommend monday.com but i mainly use that through my desktop um gmail of course um and uh and and um slack as well uh maybe now i'm sounding like a workaholic but <laughs> my phone is really a tool for work these days it's the truth it's the truth so what is a quote that you live by um, I love quotes. Um, that's another app that I do, uh, that have quotes on my phones, but I don't have a specific one, but I have a rotation. I am really philosophical and love, um, thinking about the future. So any, any good old quote I'm a fan of and, and, and keeps me, keeps me going. Awesome. So if you could have the most expansive network in the world, meaning access to literally anybody, or unlimited funding, but you can only choose one. So either the network or the money, which one would you choose and why? The network. I mean, like I said, um, at the end of the day, someone, someone can change everything from you more than any, any dollar amount could. Yeah. So get to know anyone that you can. Awesome. So if you could have any individual invest in your company, so your dream investor, who would you choose and why? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I always as an entrepreneur, you, you want to dream of those days where you like get to meet Oprah or something. But at the end of the day, I mean, I just want a good investor that, that, that is passionate about what I'm doing. And it's a good person, uh, so I dream of of just meeting people like that, you know, and, and not so much anymore, um, whether they're a big name or or not. That's true, because there's always some people that are just fantastic and really like fit like a puzzle piece into what you're doing. So totally get that one. Last question: What advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, me meet a lot of people. Meet Travel a lot of even more <laughs> than I did. <laughs> so definitely the takeaways from this episode are to put yourself out there, meet a lot of people, get that human capital going on. So really, really good takeaways from this episode. Thank you so much, Yulkandi, for being on today. We learned so much about Forefront and learned so many valuable lessons. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can learn more about our guests through the details in this episode's description. For more content and the latest on all things BizBanter, follow us on Instagram at BizBanter or visit BizBanter.com. See you next time.